This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Tech Guide episode 356. This is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. Great to have your company once again and welcome our first time listeners. On this week's show, Samsung to defend claims their ads were misleading customers about their device's water resistance. Sony has launched its new noise cancelling earphones and the NBN floats a ridiculous idea of a Netflix tax. In the Tech Guide review, we're going to check out the LG V50 5G smartphone, the Kathmandu Connect Smart Backpack, and the Evoke Pure F3 internet and digital radio. And we'll wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, Samsung has said they will defend itself against some claims from the ACCC, that's the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission. The ACCC alleges that Samsung has made false, misleading and deceptive claims in its advertisements about the water resistance of its range of Galaxy smartphones. So the ACCC says they're going to bring into evidence more than 300 ads dating back as far as 2016, which show the Galaxy phones being used in a variety of ways, including in a swimming pool. There's also images of people uh, jumping into swimming pools and in the surf. So the ACCC says that this is false and misleading. And they also bring uh, to our attention the fact that their website itself says that customers are not encouraged, uh, not advised to use their devices for the beach or pool use. So uh, the ACCC's claims, that they say that Samsung did not uh, test or know of testing about how water... Uh, and in this instance, non-fresh water, so there'd be salt water and chlorinated water. They didn't know how that water would affect its usable life. ACCC also further alleges that they uh, that they uh, have been denied claims from consumers whose phones were water damaged, so they were refused repairs. Uh, so a sticky situation here, but Samsung will defend the action, and they released this statement. I'll read it out to you. Samsung Electronics Australia notes the legal action launched against it by the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission in relation to the marketing of a number of Samsung's water-resistant smartphones. Samsung intends to defend the court proceedings brought by the ACCC. Samsung stands by its marketing and advertising of the water resistance of its smartphones. We are also confident that we provide customers with free-of-charge remedies in a manner consistent with the Samsung's obligations under its manufacturer warranty and the Australian consumer law. Customer satisfaction is a top priority for Samsung, and we are committed to acting in the best interests of our customers. Now, water-resistant phones, and you note, note how they never, ever call these devices, and Apple included, they never call these devices waterproof. It's always water-resistant. Uh, that's for a reason. No, nothing's waterproof. No device is waterproof. In, in the case of the Galaxy smartphones, they have an IP68 rating. 
So IP68, it means it can be submerged for up to 30 minutes at a depth of 1.5 metres. IP68, IP's ingress protection. So 30 minutes for a depth of 1.5 metres. Now the iPhone, the water-resistant iPhones are IP67, which means it can be submerged for 30 minutes at a depth of 1 metre. But these have to be ideal conditions. This is We're talking, I think, freshwater here. Uh, and, and so the ACCC's claim that these the advertising around these devices suggests that uh, that they're not actually representative of what they're protected from, whether it's salt water or chlorinated water. So I can do I can remember a campaign where Samsung were were marketing the devices as being built for Australia for the Australian summer, and there were the phone being tossed around and landing in a in a sink of soapy water and in a pool and all these sorts of things. So. Samsung's going to have their day in court against the ACCC. They are going to defend these claims, but it does remind me of a, of a matter a few, a few months ago where uh, some of my readers uh, and listeners contacted me, a couple of people in particular, who had issues with their, with their iPhones. iPhone, as we mentioned, is also water-resistant. But a lot of you would not know that our iPhone, Apple, and Samsung as well, warranty they does not cover water damage, even though it's a water-resistant device. Apple in particular, in the case of these two uh, people who contacted me, and I took it up with Apple, and they said, well, no, water damage is not covered by warranty, despite the fact that these are water-resistant phones. Now, in, in the, these two people said that they were they, they got caught in the rain. Their phone was in their pocket. One was in a coat pocket. wasn't One was in a back pocket, and they weren't doing they weren't water skiing or surfing or anything out of the ordinary. The phones just wouldn't work after being caught in these downpours. And as it turned out, Apple said, "No, sorry, we can't repair under warranty." And I think they took it further to fair trading, and and they end up getting a result. Now, in, when I wrote that story, I did contact Samsung as well. I, I wanted to give the story some balance. I want to say, well, okay, this is that's Apple's, that's their uh, how they handle these things. How does Samsung handle these claims? And they told me that it's handled on a case by case basis, and that if they're found to have, if they if they think that it's their device that has failed the customer, if it's been damaged by water, then they will repair it. And in the and in the time it's being repaired, they will even provide a replacement handset as well. So in this, ACCC on one hand is saying that look, you're you're advertising your your phone to be used in these certain ways, but not really accurate. That you can say that they're not your website saying that they shouldn't be used in in the beach or the pool, yet your advertisements advertisement showed them being used in the beach and the pool. So. I can vouch for the fact that Samsung do uh, treat their water damage cases uh, as a case-by-case basis and provide the customer with uh, with an opportunity to have it repaired, to have it assessed at least, and to have it repaired. Because there was one thing I remember too when uh, when talking uh, with Apple and when, when reading the fine print, if you like, uh, I was reminded of one line that said that water resistance is not a permanent condition of the device. Now, I interpreted that to be that uh, as your phone is used, as, as, as it gets older, it, that the water resistance may reduce. And 
it, it could be anything. It could be you you might drop your phone and it causes this tiny gap to appear in the, on the inside or something like that where overuse and you using your phone every day for years on end could compromise that level of water resistance, which I think is another one of the reasons why their get-out clause for that is the fact that water damage is not covered under the warranty. Uh, it's a tricky situation, and we have, as I said, a couple of the, our readers, they, they did end up getting a result. After I wrote my story, I think they went took it to Fair Trading or somebody, and they, they said, no, they, they did report back to me to say, look, Apple decided to repair them anyway. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Samsung fares after this, this, uh, this brush with the ACCC, these claims. Uh, they're going to be heard in the federal court. And the ACCC, if they win... They're uh, they 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 seeking uh, ACCC is seeking penalties, consumer redress orders, injunctions, declarations, publication orders, and an order as to findings of fact as well as costs. So they're going all out here. The Australian Consumer Commission, uh, Consumer and Competition Commission, against Samsung in the federal court, and we don't know when the case is actually going to start. Probably not for a while yet. But we'll keep you abreast of all of it. Uh, when we know more, you'll know more. Uh, we'll be following it with interest. If you want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Sony has just released its new WF-1000XM3 wire-free earphones that are not just wire-free, they're also noise-cancelling. I've got them in my hand right now. I only got them today, so this isn't a review. I'm just telling you about the features. A review will follow in a week or two. But this is pretty big news because Sony has, uh, for the last few years, their their headphones, their 1000XM2 and 3 headphones, have been, in my opinion and many customers' opinions, uh, the go-to noise-cancelling pair of headphones. They've been fantastic, and I agree. They're probably the best, or one of the best uh, noise-cancelling headphones money could buy. Well, Sony has taken that technology and packed it into these tiny earphones, the WF, which is wire-free, 1000 XM3 earphones, which uh, has plenty of technology on board to provide incredible, not only incredible audio quality, but also amazing noise cancellation. They've got a dual noise sensor inside, and it also works with a noise cancelling processor. So it can sense the ambient sound and then block it out. So there is one feed forward mic and a feed back mic on the surface of each of the earbuds to hear more of the outside noise before the QN1E processor generates a reverse sound wave. So here's what's coming, what's around it, generates a reverse sound wave too, so all you, it cancels out that ambient noise, and all you're left with is what you're listening to from your paired device. Now, uh, as I said, this isn't a review. I have had only a brief brief uh, listen to, to the to the earphones, and the noise cancellation, I have to say, is remarkable. It is uh, it is the best I've ever heard on earphones anyway, and uh, there are a lot of controls built in where you can actually uh, you press on the left uh, the left earbud and you can hear then the ambient noise. So you can someone's talking, you just got to keep press press your finger to the left earbud and it'll turn off noise cancellation, and then it'll, it'll as soon as you remove your finger, it'll play your content again. Uh, also comes with a charging case as well. 
which can provide a total of 24 hours of use. So each time the, uh, the earphones are charged, they'll run for six hours on their own, but the case then can provide another 18 hours on top of that as well. So 24 hours in total, which is pretty good, but six, six or six and a half hours on a single charge. So that's a, that's a lot of listening. Now, the, uh, there are, they're in-ear earphones, so there's no over-ear hook. They use uh, what Sony calls a tri-hold structure. So they actually go into your ear and they bridge three points of inside on, in your ears to hold them in place. And uh, they're pretty comfortable, I've got to say. Uh, once they're in your ear, they're, they're not too heavy. They, they sit in there quite nicely. There are multiple tips that come with it, rubber and silicon, so you can choose the right fit for your ear uh, so to make them as comfortable as possible as well. Uh, there's also uh, They've also been optimized for Google Assistant or Siri, depending on the device you're using or, or what assistant you actually want to choose. There's also a companion app, which is really handy because there's, a, there's an ambient mode that can detect what your situation is. So you might be standing on a train platform or by a busy road, and it will adapt the noise cancellation level. There's 20 levels of noise cancellation that you can control within the app. It'll determine what the best level of noise cancellation is based on where you are and what you're doing. It can also, that involves, uh, when, when you use ambient mode, it does involve sharing your location. So I think the reason it does that is, is that it'll know if you're standing on a train platform or walking along a busy street or traveling in a car or you know, on a bus or, on a, or maybe not on a plane. But if you, you're on a plane, it's going to detect that outside noise anyway, just like it's going to detect if you're on a train or a bus. So it is pretty smart. The app also uh, has some preset equalizers as well, equalizer mode. So if you, if you prefer a bit more treble or a bit more bass or you want to customize your own, it allows you to do that as well. So uh, lots, lots of great features there. And uh, again, from Sony, their audio uh, heritage is pretty well known. And the quality on these, the minute you pop them in your ear and start listening, you can hear that straight away. The... Uh, WF-1000XM3s. They're available now, actually, and they're priced at $399.95. Uh, and if you, you love your noise-canceling earphones or headphones, for that matter, so rather than being uh, lumbered with headphones for noise cancellation, here are some earphones you can use. Now, if you're going to use them on a plane, of course, there's no cable to plug into the airline system. So uh, unless airlines offer you a, or, or you buy a Bluetooth transmitter of some kind, which is uh, a fa- you know, fairly uh, not, not very common, but I have reviewed one on Tech Guide, actually. I think one was called the, uh, the Air, Air Fly, I think it was called. Anyway, uh, yeah, so no cable that you can connect into the airline system, the flight system, the entertainment system. Uh, but normally, I know when I travel, I, I reckon about probably – 70 to 80 percent of the time i'm watching my own content like on my ipad or on my phone or whatever i happen to be watching so that these will work fine in that situation if i do want to listen in to the to the uh, the entertainment system on the plane i've got to plug in the cable i normally travel with my bose qc20s which are there are noise cancelling earphones but they're not wire free so they're earphones, but there's a cable and there's like a little module at the end of the cable to that does all the all the magic for the noise cancellation. But there is a cable, a 3.5 mil jack, and you put the adapter on and boom, you can be listening. But anyway, we get off the point. The Sony WF-1000XM3s, 
uh, well worth a listen. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, a couple of weeks, uh, I'll be talking about them again. But in in terms of a review, I would have used them a lot more. I'll be able to say a lot more than what I have right now. But at the moment, they are the they're the top line features. Three hundred ninety nine ninety five. And if you want to take a closer look, see what they look like, you can check them out at techguide.com.au. Now, there was a story that uh, broke late last week about the NBN floating the idea of charging a Netflix tax for customers. And my response to that was, you're kidding, right? That this is a joke. I had to check the calendar that it wasn't April the 1st. And I wrote a pretty strongly worded blog on Tech Guy that you can you're free to li- read. But I'll tell you what what I said in that in that blog as well. Um, it is a little bit bold for the NBN to even suggest that. Now, this was obviously uh, leaked. This was part of a proposal that was sent to retail service providers, which was basically just trying to take their temperature to see whether they would support a move to charge this Netflix tax. Now, here's what the section read. Apparently, this is what it said. It asked this question. Would your organization support the development of a price response whereby charging of streaming video could be differentiated from the charging of other traffic or services? Would your organization be likely to productize, I think that's a word they just made up, productize such a mechanism if developed by NBN? And that was basically it. And I'm thinking, wow, that that that's their show. That's they've got a lot of nerve there, even talking about that. Here we are, a fifty-one billion dollar network that we paid for. That's our taxes that that created this network. And now they want to see how we're using it. It it brings up net neutrality issues, and basically what that means is they can't tell you how to use your internet. You get the internet, you pay your monthly charges as you do, you pay your GST on top of that, and you should use that however you see fit, whether you want to stream Netflix, whether you want to surf the web or play online games, that's up to you. So them stepping in and and even even thinking about charging extra because we want to binge some shows on Netflix is pretty ridiculous. Now, you've got to remember too, like pre-Netflix, you think, think back before we had Netflix. Think back before you even had the NBN. The internet worked just fine. The internet did everything we needed it to do. It, it was great for browsing. We could, we could download stuff, movies on iTunes, whatever, however you wanted to do it. And the internet was great. Now, and I was, I had cable internet. I was getting quite a good speed, download speed. My upload speed was rubbish, but that's another story. But it, it served my needs. Now, here comes this whiz bang NBN, which is, was told is the future of our, of the internet. It's going to enable so many things. And it, 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 it did enable things where as our broadband speeds got faster, NBN, Companies like Netflix and now Stan and others are now offering us the opportunity to use that super-duper connection to stream our content. So that's why it was built. So why why would they even, even float the idea of charging us extra for what it was meant to do? 
That, that's what I'm asking. I cannot see the reason here. I think it, it will not get, get up in a million years. I'd be very surprised if they even consider that. Put it this way. I, I've, I'm, I'm on the NBN, and uh, I'm with Optus. Optus were my, my service provider before the NBN, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to give them first crack. They've, they connected. I'm happy, and I'm here. Now, if they turned around and said, look, Steve, you know what? We're going to charge you an extra 20 bucks a month because you stream Netflix. I would, would leave them that fast. It would make their head spin. So I don't think there'd be a retail service provider that would be brave enough to add that cost. Now, at the moment, the, that, that's, how, that's how they're competing. They're competing on price. But they're also, and this is what I think they should do, they should compete on service as well. I've heard all the horror stories about how bad, how long it took for stuff to be connected. It took it takes weeks sometimes for people to just even get a basic connection, let alone the people who are wallowing in a, with a connection, maybe a fibre to the node connection, that was no good and in some cases worse than what they had they had pre-NBN. So maybe before they even 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 talk about trying to charge extra because we're going to stream Netflix. Maybe get the network right. Get it, fix up those little holes, those little patches that aren't working right. Focus on that and then give us our money's worth. We, after all, it was our taxes that paid for the NBN, $51 billion worth. And for them to turn around and say, you know what, we're going to slug you again with the Netflix tax, I don't know. I find that insulting. There's no way in the world that I could see that happening there's no way in the world I'd pay it. Like I said, if my internet service provider said, look, we're going to charge you for more because you watch Netflix, I'll say, thank you. I will not be be a customer of yours any longer. The other question too is where does it stop? They, they We use the Netflix tax because that, that it was called the Netflix tax because when you think of video streaming, you think of Netflix. But that's not the only place where you can stream video. You can, well, there's Stan, of course. But YouTube, you can stream video. We've been doing that for years on the internet. And all these other things we do, Skype calls, FaceTime calls, that's streaming video. Where does it stop? So there's all these things we do that could be interpreted as being as being streaming video. So I don't know. This is this just does not make any kind of sense to me. And I think the fact that it got out, I'm glad it got out because – the NBN then just saw the outrage. People, there's been so many comments on the stories that I wrote and on our Facebook page. You guys are not happy even at the mere suggestion of this. So I'm glad it got out because the NBN can see how foolish a proposal it was in the first place. If you want to read more about that ridiculous Netflix tax, you can do that. You get to head over to techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. That's the company that can protect you and your family online. Now, we live in a world where hackers are constantly finding new ways to steal your personal information. And because we spend so much time online, it's quite possible we could find ourselves in a cyber criminal sites. The Norton team is dedicated to keeping people safe online no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying bills on your phone, shopping on your tablet or banking on your laptop, Norton Security Premium is working hard behind the scenes to help keep your information, your identity and your devices protected. For more information on how to protect your digital life, visit au.norton.com. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Alrighty, this week we're kicking off with the LG 
V50 5G smartphone. Now, this ain't any old smartphone. This is a dual-screen smartphone. LG is one of uh, three companies that has a 5G smartphone in the market, the others being Oppo with their Reno 5G, which we'll talk about next week, and the Samsung S10 5G, which we spoke about last week. But in LG, they're the latest. Uh, they've come out with the, the V50 5G, which is a follow-on, of course, to the V40, the V30. I've always said LG has been a very underrated phone manufacturer. They have made in the past, and they have in this case, made an excellent smartphone. It's just they're not top of mind for many customers who are considering a smartphone. Uh, and I know the people who do end up buying an LG device are very happy it's a high quality device the screens are always nice in this case you've got a 6.4 inch OLED display that looks fantastic great quality audio quality is always good cameras are always good as they are here we'll talk about that in a minute and they just don't seem to get that market traction they don't have the marketing budget of Samsung they're not as big as Apple in this space either but nevertheless and no, no denying the fact they still make quality devices it's just that problem is not many people are buying them well in this case i think they've, they've done a great job in standing out from the crowd with with the v50 that sold in australia you also receive an accessory the dual screen accessory which basically looks like a, a phone case so what you do you put the phone in this case and on the other side is the second screen and that is powered. There are three little contacts on the back of the phone that then powers that other screen. So you've got not only the screen of the device itself, the V50, but also then the secondary screen that is part of this accessory. So you're basically getting a two-screen phone. So you're able to uh, multitask. You can even use it to uh, play games where you can take advantage of having the dual screen set up. So the, the action would be on one screen and the controls would be on the other. Uh, or you may be running two apps at once. You may have your social media on one screen, your emails on, on the other. You might watch YouTube on one or browse the web on the other. However you want to do it, two screens are better than one. And we reviewed this, and I quite enjoyed the fact of having those two screens because it allowed me to do more at the same time. Now, the downside of this is that I mentioned earlier that the second screen draws power from the phone. So I found under heavy use that by late afternoon, you're reaching for the charger without the second screen, and you can pop the phone out and just use it on its own if you want. The battery life runs most of the day. So it's comparable to other devices in its field, the 5G phones that runs all day into the night and even into the next day. But if you're using that dual screen, it does tax the battery somewhat. Now, the V50 5G has a Qualcomm Snapdragon 855 processor, so performance is amazing. 6 gig of RAM, 128 gig of storage as well, uh, and there is also a micro SD card slot, so you can expand that memory even further. That's one thing that I found with the uh, S10 5G, uh, had a fair fair amount of storage on board, but no micro SD slot, so you can't expand the memory. And of course, the LG phone is a 5G device as well. Now, I could 
tell you the sort of speeds I got, which wasn't more than, say, about 250 megabits per second. Really depends on where you are. If you're in a 5G area, the 5G is pretty thin on the ground, and I I, I hardly got speeds uh, faster than what I just mentioned. But good news is, though, 5G is growing. So here's a phone that's going to be with you, perhaps for a couple of years, and that reception, that speed is only going to improve over time. Uh, So... Pretty look. It is. I think if if this device wasn't sold with the the secondary screen, the dual screen cover, I don't think it would be as appealing. It is a bit vanilla when when compared to the the Oppo and the uh, and the Samsung devices in terms of features, camera quality, uh, and just these quirky little designs. But the dual screen is is compelling. I think there's a few people who are very interested in this product, uh, and, and apart from it drawing the battery down a little bit because there's no, you don't have to charge the accessory. It's all powered through the phone. That's probably the only the only downside there. Camera quality is excellent as well. Uh, it d- does take some great pictures. It has its what its customary uh, three modes. It's got your normal lens, your wide and ultra wide that you can switch between uh, at the press of a button. You know, on on the screen there's a picture of a a small tree, then a wider tree. So you 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 can choose whether you want regular, wide, and ultra wide. So you don't have to zoom in and out, uh, pinching and zooming with your fingers. So that's that's a handy feature as well, uh, and uh, there is there is a way for you to see your photos on the second screen and have the camera running on the first as well. Um, there, it, I saw a picture of that on their website, so that's that's an interesting use of that secondary screen. The other issue is too that not all apps are made to be run dual screen, so you'll find that uh, there there be very few apps that are built to run top and bottom of the screen. So there'll be some limited number of games that can do it already. Hopefully there'll be more. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some productivity tools where you can use maybe the bottom half as the keyboard and the top half as your screen. So it's like a little mini laptop. You can position the screen in a number of positions, so uh, a number of angles, I should say. So you can can even set it up so that the, the dual screen, which is smaller and lighter, can be sitting at an angle and you can be watching a video on that while you might be checking your emails on the bottom one uh, so it, it does it does open up a few opportunities if you're a multitasker if you do a lot of work on the go uh, having a second screen it really adds to that screen real estate so that uh, you can just get more done what you can't do uh, anyone who's ever connected a second uh, monitor to their key to their computer so if you've got two monitors you know how you can pass you, there's a, a, an open window you can put to the other monitor and back again or a document. You can't do that here. The, the, the two screens don't join in that way. So if you swiped left on the main screen, they're not going to run into the dual screen. They, they both operate independently 99% of the time. Hopefully that might change. Down the track, there may be some developments, there may be some updates that will allow that where you can run, you can run and scroll to the other screen and vice versa. That would be a fantastic feature. It's unfortunately not available right now, but who's to say in the, in the, in the coming months and years that that isn't an idea they're going to take on. The LG V50 5G available now. It's priced at one thousand seven hundred and twenty-eight dollars, uh, and that's uh, if if you want to buy that outright, of course, or uh, you can get it on a plan through Telstra. But if you want to read our complete review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au.
All right, next up we're going to talk about the Katmandu Connect Smart Pack. Uh, and that, this is a backpack. And not only old backpack, this is a smart backpack that can not only charge the devices that you carry, but also uh, allow you to locate your phone, uh, also remind you if, you're, if you've left your phone or the bag behind. Uh, we'll talk about that in a sec. There's a, there's a companion app that runs with it as well. Uh, so really interesting uh, product here. This, this is the, the Connect Smart Pack. And like Ed, any other backpack, as you'd expect, plenty of storage space. So there's room for a 15-inch laptop, room for a tablet, plenty of little pockets where you can put sunglasses and phones and other accessories. There's even a compartment that's big enough to even take a change of clothes and anything else you want to carry around. Uh, the 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 back backpack also has these these breathable straps so that it is quite comfortable to wear. Uh, the, the the laptop and the tablets uh, the tablet uh, is stored in the back of the of the backpack. So in other words, your computer and your tablet will be resting right up against your back. It's still though, it's still though very comfortable to wear. The, the downside I saw of that arrangement is that uh, if you do need to get to your computer, you've basically got to, got to um, unzip the whole back of the backpack, the back section, uh, to get at your, at your laptop. That, that might be a bit of a nuisance, especially if you're using it for travel. You might be going through airport security. Uh, so... That that might be an issue, not a deal breaker, but it's just it's just slightly harder to get at your stuff than it is with a regular laptop bag, regular backpack. Now, the what makes this a smart backpack is the fact that it's got a built-in battery, and there's a tiny little control module as well that can allow you to uh, to pair with your phone. Uh, you can even find your phone as well. We'll talk about that in a sec. But the main the main feature is the fact you can have there's a battery that's connected. It's in a, in a little hidden pocket. It's a six thousand two hundred milliamp hour battery, which is that's more than twice almost twice the capacity of your smartphone battery, and it can charge your phone, your tablet, any USB powered device. Downside is you can't recharge a laptop. You think about you carry a laptop in a backpack. This battery is not quite powerful enough or big enough to charge your laptop. If, if it was to charge your laptop, it would need to be a lot bigger with a lot higher capacity and a lot higher output. And that would have that would have made it just too big to fit in the backpack. Like a big, those batteries that can charge a laptop are, are quite, they're the size, the, the width of a, of a paperback novel. They're that big that can, uh, to charge your back, to charge your laptop. So don't think it would have been practical to, to, to fit it in here. You possibly could have, it would have just taken up a little bit of room. Now the other downside here, and I mentioned airport security earlier, uh, and this happened to me when I when I was travelling with this, that when they see uh, a little device connected with a cable to another device, that sort of brings a little bit of attention. They they I got pulled up and said, look, can you, what is this? And they they realised it was a battery connected to a cable with this little module. It was something they hadn't seen before. Not, I explained to them what it was, and they were said, okay, that's fine. But they just didn't know what it was at first, and they needed to check it out. Now, you, as I said, you can charge your smartphones and other USB-powered devices, but there is also a companion app as well. So what, what the companion app does, it allows you to connect to 
the bag so you can see uh, how much power there is on board. You can even use the app to schedule your charging. So uh, I, I should say assign how much you want to charge. So say you've got, you want to charge your phone for 20 minutes, you want to charge something else. It allows you to stop charging certain devices through the app. So it allows you to uh, allocate how much charge you want for each of those devices. There's also a light built in. So it's a really good idea because sometimes you can't see in the bottom of your bag. There's an LED light that allows you to illuminate that as well, which is a, a, a smart little feature too. Now there is, uh, I mentioned there is a, the charge timer, so you can choose 10, 20, 30, 40 or 60 minutes charging. Uh, you can see the charge level, but there's also a distance alarm. So when, the, when your phone, the app is connected to the backpack, if they're separated by the Bluetooth range of you know, 10 or 20 meters, then the bag or the phone will ring an alarm the distance alarm, so that uh, it's a little bit like those key rings that, that can alert you when you if you've left them behind and vice versa with your phone. So that that's a pretty cool feature as well, that distance alarm as well. Uh, it also, if you want to, if you can't find the bag, you, you can ring the bag or from the bag, you can ring your phone. So it'll, it'll create an alert, alert sound. Like how many times have you not been able to find your phone? It's like among papers or underneath something. From the bag, you can ring a little notification on the phone and vice versa. You can also alert the bag as well. So pretty handy. That, that's hence the reason why it's called Smart. Now, this isn't a cheap bag. This is $499.98. This is uh, an expensive bag, although I have noticed it has been discounted to $349.98. Still pricey, but I think within the range of those expensive backpacks, and then you get all these smart features on top of that as well. A really nicely designed backpack, plenty of room. I think it's got 28-litre capacity. So it's, it's pretty big. So you can fit a lot of stuff in this thing. A lot of pockets, a lot of little places where you can put things, uh, your, your, all your little knickknacks, your chargers, your cables, all that will fit inside. One little thing we noticed too, a little quirk of the system was we tried to charge the module. Like we had to, the battery is charged through the little module. You'll see the pictures on Tech Guide. And we used all kinds of USB-C cables and nothing would work. But the cable that comes with it is what's, what works to charge it. So you just keep that in mind. The, the cable that comes with the backpack is the only one that works with the module, which then in turn charges the battery. So when we're charging it, yeah, had to use that original cable. So there, there you have it, the Katmandu Smart Connect, the Connect Smart Pack. It's the smartest backpack we've ever used. It's pretty impressive. Not cheap, though, although it has been discounted to 349 so Let's call it 350 bucks. If you want to read more about that, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Alrighty, next up, we're talking about a product from Pure. Pure, it's the Pure Evoke F3 internet radio, digital radio, and Bluetooth speaker all in one. This is a very handy product. So all of those features are at your fingertips. So straight out of the box, you can connect to a world of radio stations, as well as listening to your, your digital radio stations, as well as you can listen to your Spotify account. There's a little app called the Spotify called Spotify Connect. So if you've got a Spotify account, you can listen to your Spotify uh, account through the Evoke, 
using your Spotify app on your phone. Very handy. And it's a Bluetooth speaker as well. So if you want to just stream straight off your device or your tablet or whatever you happen to have, then you can use that as well. So very handy. Now, let's start with the internet radio. This is a, this is a really cool feature where you've got access to more than 25,000 stations. That's right, 25,000, more than that, from around the world. So you can narrow it down by territory or subject or genre. All these interesting radio stations, you'll be able to find literally tens of thousands of them to choose from. And there are 30 favorites you can select across digital radio there's an fm radio on board as well i should say and also internet radio station so you can set up these little favorites uh, in the presets there and it will find them no matter if it's internet radio digital radio or fm radio as well now on the digital radio side it's a dab digital audio broadcast plus digital radio so it'll tune itself all your favorite radio stations are available on digital so you can hear them all as well. And I've got to say, audio quality, uh, it's a pure device. Pure have been making great audio products, and this one sounds really smart. Uh, and it's as good as a smart speaker that you would purchase. The audio quality is is very impressive, very respectable. So whether you're listening to talkback or music, this, uh, the Pure Evoke F3 does a great job. Speaker system is very impressive. Uh, now, the this is, uh, I should point out, one thing this lacks, okay, this is not a smart speaker. So you can't be commanding it with Alexa or Siri or whatever you want to do. That This doesn't have that. Uh, but it, what it does have for you to control it uh, is a remote control. So you, can, you can't control it with your voice, but you can control it from across the room with the remote, which is very handy. Uh, so... Yes, no, you can't say command it to control your whole the, the smart home and things like that. But what you're getting for your money is an internet radio, digital radio, FM radio, Bluetooth speaker, and there's also an auxiliary import. So if Bluetooth isn't working for you, if you've got an old product like in, like my original iPod that I used, it'll still play your music through the Evoke F3 as well. So this is a pretty uh, jack-of-all-trades device, as I, uh, I've described it. So it does all those things, and of course, when you're not using it, you can tell the time. It does display a clock on the display. There's a little display on the top right-hand corner, then underneath the display is the volume knob, which is also the select knob when you press it, and there's all these other little buttons to go to different modes. Uh, and of course, you can access all of that through the remote control as well. It's pretty small too. It doesn't have a massive footprint, so it's not going to take up too much space. Uh, it's I think it's about 20, 20 centimetres wide uh, and about 10 or 11 centimetres high. So footprint, very small, and not, not going to take up too too much room. It's 20 centimetres wide, 11 centimetres high, 11.8 centimetres deep, so very small footprint. The Pure Evoke F3, Feature-packed device. It is, as I said, the, a bit of a jack-of-all-trades product. No voice assistant. Uh, it does have a companion app as well, which uh, I w didn't work very well at all, so stick to the remote control. Hopefully the app will get updated. It'll work a little bit better. Uh, but the remote does the trick, and you can get access to all those internet radio stations, digital radio stations, your own content through Bluetooth, auxiliary in. Everything's there. If you've got a Spotify account, even further, you can take this the Pure Evoke F3, 
We've reviewed it. If you want to check it out, it's on techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is also proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Now, you upgrade your smartphone and your TV and your laptop, but when was the last time you upgraded your home Wi-Fi? It's probably been a while. Well, the future of Wi-Fi has arrived. It's time to welcome Wi-Fi 6. If you watch if you watch your shows on services like Netflix, you need the newest line of high-performance routers from Netflix. It's like giving your streaming the VIP treatment. The Netgear Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 routers give you ultra-fast speeds and wider coverage throughout your home. You get four times the capacity compared to today's Wi-Fi, which means you can connect more devices and stream simultaneously without impacting Wi-Fi speed and reliability. The devices of today and tomorrow demand more, so what you need is high-performance Wi-Fi that can keep up with you and your entire family. It's the biggest revolution in Wi-Fi ever, and you could be one of the first to have the next generation of Wi-Fi 6 technology with a Netgear Nighthawk router. Turn your Wi-Fi up to 6 with a Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 router. Go check it out today at netgear.com slash Wi-Fi 6. That's netgear.com slash Wi-Fi and the number 6. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Couple of questions for the Tech Guide help desk. So I did get an email asking about a device, uh, which was the, a reader sent me a link that they were going to purchase from uh, through Alibaba. It was I cannot even recall the brand. It was like a, a Chinese brand. I looked at the specs. Very impressive. Would work in Australia and great screen. Looked great. Uh, the problem that I pointed out is the fact that this is what they call a grey import. And with any grey import, you're not covered with an Australian warranty. So if something goes wrong, then you need to go and send it back and post it back and hope someone can repair it. And it's just a bit of a hassle. Um, there have been some instances I've had readers contact me where they've bought uh, Samsung devices through uh, certain companies. I think Kogan being one of them. And but what they don't realise is that Kogan's uh, they sell their Samsungs, which are made in other territories, so that the warranty has to go back through Kogan. They can't uh, Samsung in Australia cannot honour the warranty because it's not an Australian certified product. So in this instance, this gentleman has the same issue. If God forbid something were to go wrong with this product, his protection would uh, would not be would not be adequate. He'd have to go back through the manufacturer, send it back, a big hassle. So be careful if you're ordering these grey imports. The pricing looks attractive. The downside is, yes, you are going to get a decent phone at a good price, but the downside is that the Australian warranty and the Australian consumer law doesn't protect you. you just got to be careful about that. I did have another question about uh, CarPlay, and that's the the Apple system that you connect your device to a recent model car, and if it's got CarPlay, you can control everything through the screen. All the icons appear on the screen. Um, and a reader asked me, look, can I get CarPlay with a software update? I think he was told, his car manufacturer, I think he was driving a Renault, he said that uh, the, it's coming, it's just I just need to do a software update. Um, as far as I know, that's not possible. Your car either has CarPlay or not. It's built in the factory to handle CarPlay. So if you've got an older vehicle that doesn't have CarPlay now, there's no software update that can give it CarPlay. To have 
CarPlay on an older vehicle, you'd have to replace the whole head unit so that you might have to get rid of the original stereo that came with the car and put a third-party head unit in there with a screen that's CarPlay compatible, and that's as close as you're going to get to seeing CarPlay on an older on an older car. I remember when I first saw CarPlay, they actually installed it in an old Ford Mustang using a third-party player, and it was incredible. So there is that possibility, but don't think a software update from your current... If your car doesn't have CarPlay at all, a software update is not going to suddenly produce it in your car. So if you do want it, you probably need to put a third party, if you drive an older car, you probably need to put a third party uh, head unit in there as well. CarPlay, we've been speaking about that on Tech Guide many times, and uh, Grey Imports, keep an eye on that as well. And we've reached the end of our show for this week. It goes so fast. Everything we've talked about on the show, you can find at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can either record a voice bite. So press on that blue icon in the middle of the site. There's a little record button. You can record your voice. Ask me in your own words. Record your question. I will play it on the show and reply to you live as well. Uh, if you want to go old school, we'll still take emails. Info at techguide.com.au is the address. We want to give a special shout-out, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.